This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel, and here we learn about plants, how to care for them, how they work, and I keep it simple and taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can enjoy. Join me in Plant School. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Plant School, guys. Today is episode 51. We're going to be going over how to care for a bird of paradise. So the complete care guide, we are covering it right now. So diving right in, a bird of paradise. If you aren't sure what it is, I'm going to describe it for you right now. Hopefully, hopefully it goes well. It's a tropical houseplant that resembles a banana plant. So... I've never seen a banana plant, let's be honest. It's not something I've Googled lately, but that's what it resembles. Its leaves look similar to a banana plant. It's classified in the same order of flowering plants as ginger, banana, like we just talked about, and some other relatives close to the banana. And it can spread via rhizomes, which are underground stems. It gets its name from its flower, which resembles a bird in flight, And these flowers usually appear in midwinter and they open in succession with the first ones opening in spring and they last for quite a while. So it's actually pollinated by birds who come and eat its nectar. They actually pick up pollen and transfer it to the next flower as they are going back and forth. It kind of just transfers off of their chest and that is how they're pollinated. So it's kind of ironic that it's called Bird of Paradise while its pollinator is literally a bird. We'll kind of talk more about that later in the episode. Okay, so one of the first questions I had is, is this plant a house plant? Because when I think of Bird of Paradise, I think of my grandmother who had them in her yard in Southern California. I just imagine them as an outdoor landscape plant, right? I never had seen them inside, but they are most definitely a house plant. They they can be brought inside and it's not a big deal. Some even say that they are the queen of the indoor plant world, which I, I think is cute. They also are a common landscaping plant, like I said. So they're common in places like Southern California, Florida, Hawaii, other tropical areas because they are hardy and they are drought tolerant and they do really well in those areas. And they are also used in floral arrangements. So it's not just something used in your home or in your landscape, but it can also be used in floral design. So this plant has so many uses. The flower, when you cut it, can last for a few weeks like most cut flowers do. So if you do happen to want to chop one off your houseplant, which I don't imagine you would because we'll talk about how it's kind of hard to get it to flower indoors. So I don't think you'd want to do that. Maybe you'd chop it from a neighbor's bush. I am not condoning 
chopping flowers from your neighbor's bush though. So let's move on. What is their history? You guys know this is my absolute favorite question. I love getting into the history of plants. It's called ethnobotany, you know, where you study how plants interact with human history. And I I just find it so fascinating. So this this particular plant, the bird of paradise, has quite a bit of history with us and we are going to get right into it. So it originates from South Africa. It's commonly called the crane flower there. This is probably because the main pollinator is a bird, like I said, but it's specifically the crane weaver bird and it has been growing, the bird of paradise, has been growing in the Royal Botanic Gardens in Kew since 1773. That is nearly 250 years of it growing in Kew Garden, which is amazing. So going back to South Africa, though, it's an emblem of the South African National Biodiversity Institute and is even on the South African 50 cent coin. It was discovered in the late 1770s by a Scottish botanist, Francis Mason. He worked for the Royal Garden at Kew. And he traveled to South Africa, gathered a bunch of native plants, and he brought back these plants to exhibit at the Royal Gardens. He sent hundreds of specimens back to the gardens, one of which was the Bird of Paradise. So the scientific name is Strelitzia regina. It was named by Sir Joseph Banks. He was the director of the Royal Gardens, and he named the genus after Queen Charlotte, who was the Duchess of the Mecklenburg Strelitz. He brought it to England in 1773, and that's, you know, how long it's been growing in Kew Garden is from 1773 to today. Getting into some of the more modern history, I would say it's been the inspiration of some fine art, including the famous floral artist Georgia O'Keeffe, who painted it while in Hawaii in the 1940s and was one of her most famous paintings, actually. It's also the name of a play that was written in 1912 about a torn interracial romance between a Polynesian woman and an American sailor. And they actually made it into a film in 1932. And the reason why you hear me giggling a bit is because I watched pieces of it And I have a synopsis for you guys for this movie called Bird of Paradise. So it's directed by King Vidor, and it stars Dolores Del Rio and Joel McCrea. I have no idea who those people are, but maybe you're a movie buff and you do. So here's the plot of the movie. I saw bits and pieces of it, and boy, it seems like a like a real good one. So this is basically what happens. And if you don't want a spoiler, if you really want to watch Bird of Paradise, this 1932 movie, you better skip ahead. So this is what happens. A yacht sails up to an isolated tropical island chain. Apparently it's Hawaii, I later learned. And they're greeted by the natives. The sailors start throwing stuff out, little like trinkets as gifts to these natives. And of course, a shark comes along and a sailor Johnny Baker jumps out to catch it. He gets caught in his own line and a woman named Luana, she had gotten a pocket knife that, you know, was thrown out, one of the trinkets that was thrown out to her and she uses it to cut the line. She saves Johnny. They go, they all go to the island. They have a banquet together and Johnny and Luana kind of steal off to basically make out and fall in love (laughs) typical. He finds out that she's promised in an arranged marriage, so he goes in, 
just the nick of time, he gets her out and he takes her to his own island. This whole time, by the way, there's like a language barrier. So they're basically, you know, teaching each other a few words here and there, but it kind of, a lot of it was them staring at each other from what I saw. They build a house. They live out there on their own little island until a volcano on their island begins to erupt and she decides that she thinks she must be sacrificed in order to appease this volcano and get it to stop. You know, doing what she thinks she needs to do. She turns herself in to her own people and Johnny tries to save her. He gets injured and captured by her people and they decide that they're going to sacrifice them both to appease the volcano. So the sailors come in I don't know why they are still there. I assume Johnny and Luana were on their island for a while. I'm, I was confused about that part, but they are rescued by Johnny's friends and they go back to the city. Luana doesn't really fit in. Um, it's really hard for her in the city and she would think she would be happier on the island. So she decides to go back voluntarily and decides to throw herself into the volcano. That's it that is the movie i'm so sorry but that was one the, i i'm sorry but that was one of the worst movie plots i've ever heard and i'm sorry i had to tell you all of it but i just had to share if you know these people who wrote it, i'm please forgive me for saying that about this movie but anyways lastly there was also a 2021 film so this year named birds of paradise so it has an s in there and I did not watch this one. It was an American drama released by Amazon, directed by Sarah Adina Smith, and it was based on the 2019 novel Bright Burning Stars by A.K. Small. And I'm not going to go into the entire plot, but basically there's this girl named Kate Sanders. She's a new student at a prestigious ballet company in Paris. All the students are competing for a prize, which is a contract with a ballet company. There's lots of complicated friendships and there's a lot of um, intimate scenes that I don't really feel comfortable explaining on a plant podcast. But basically, in the end, as you can assume, Kate wins the prize, but there's all sorts of drama that goes along with it. So if you're interested in watching that, you can't, it has nothing to do with the plant. Sorry to say, at least Bird of Paradise was in a tropical location and it made a little bit of sense. But Birds of Paradise, I'm sorry. Maybe it's a dance form that I don't know, but it has nothing to do with plants. So back to their history. So sorry for that tangent, but not really because I thought it was kind of fun. So for a while, uh, this plant, the Bird of Paradise, it grew sterile outside of its native South Africa because there are no Cape Weaver birds outside of South Africa in the U.S., right? So they'd produce flowers, but there would be no pollination. There'd be no crane weaver birds to come and pollinate them. So seeds would not be created. But recently, this is really interesting, they discovered that the common yellowthroat bird had learned to get the nectar from the bird of paradise and the plant started to produce seeds again because they were being pollinated by the yellowthroat bird. This was discovered in 2011, really recently, and they are actually still researching if this has been happening for a while or if it's the beginning of like a new relationship between the bird of paradise and the yellowthroat bird, the common yellowthroat bird. This could also turn the bird of paradise into an aggressive weed if it's able to start producing seeds and it's able to, you know, spread out in the areas where it's growing 
as a landscape plant. It's obviously not going to happen in your home, right? There no birds are coming in your house and causing this, but in places like Southern California or Florida or Hawaii, this could be a problem for them if the common yellowthroat bird has kind of taken the place and the seeds do well there. So that's, that about does it for their history. They are a pretty common houseplant. And so we're going to go into kind of how to care for them. Before I get into how to care for them, though, I also love to dive into what a plant means. The bird of paradise signifies joy and paradise makes sense or anticipation and excitement. It can also represent faithfulness, love, thoughtfulness, and in Hawaii, the name means little globe, and it represents magnificence. There's actually some folklore surrounding this this plant, and it includes the thought that if it's given from a woman to a man, it is a symbol of her faithfulness to him, which I thought was rather cute. I might give one to my husband, Sam. He will have no idea what it means, so I will have to write it down for him so he understands (laughs) maybe lose the charm of it, but that's okay. Sometimes we got to do that, right ladies? All right, so how to water this plant. Let's dive into the care. You're going to water when the soil feels dry. Under or over watering can lead to yellow leaves. When I say it can lead to yellow leaves, it's not the old leaves, but the new ones. So make sure it has enough light, has enough warmth so that these new yellow leaves aren't happening. So yellowing old leaves, that's normal. They, they will drop off normally. You can um, clean them up when they die or when they're yellow. Overwatering can also lead this plant to rot at the base. So it'll kind of get squishy down at the base of the leaves. And if this happens, you are going to want to replace the soil and cut out any mushy roots that you can and repot it into new soil if you can. Underwatering leads to dry crispy leaves on the edges or on the tips. It can lead to the leaves splitting or brown shriveled basil leaves. So using filter water is also ideal because there are some chemicals in the t- in your tap water that can cause brown edges. Um, Bird of Paradise is a little more sensitive to that. So if you can't figure out why you have brown edges, just keep in mind that sometimes it could be your water causing the issue if you're using tap water. So where does this plant thrive? What environment does it need? Where should you be putting it in your house? It thrives in spots with full sun. This is different for most tropical houseplants. Most tropical houseplants love indirect sunlight, but this one will tolerate direct sun. The direct summer sun, if it's like really excessive, it could possibly cause leaf burn and if you notice that, move it out away from the sun a little bit. But lack of light can cause extreme leaf splitting. And I haven't explained that. When I say that, it literally means like the leaf split. So it's kind of like someone went up to your leaf and kind of with scissors and they cut to the like the middle of the leaf. And so it's just been split up into the middle. Lack of light can also, so it can cause leaf splitting, it can cause drooping leaves, and it can also cause your new leaves not being able to open. They kind of just stop. This plant loves to be warm. It doesn't do too well with the cold, so no drafts, no vents, doesn't really love that. And it can be placed outside in the summer if it's lightly shaded, as long as the temperature is 50 degrees Fahrenheit or higher then it will be totally fine. They do really well with humidity. So if you can get a humidifier or maybe a pebble tray, pebble tray is just a tray with pebbles or some other material. My mom loves to use marbles and you add water to it and that just helps that water to evaporate and cause humidity 
in that tray. So you just set your plant directly into the tray. It's sitting on top of the marbles or the pebbles, so it's not like it's sitting in water. So if you don't have enough humidity, it can cause brown leaves or leaf tips just like underwatering can. Also, I should mention that like splits in the leaves, they are normal. They allow light to get to those lower leaves and they're just adaptations to let light get to those lower leaves that the plant has made. And it's also they've adapted to have this happen to let the wind pass through the leaves easily. And extra humidity can keep the splitting to a minimum and drafts and air vents can actually cause extra splitting. So if you are wondering why it's splitting so much, maybe take a look into drafts, air vents, humidity, and if you're wanting to keep it to a minimum, definitely be adding extra humidity for this plant. But don't be worried if it happens. It's, it is normal. All right, so does this plant need fertilizer? Yes, it does. They are actually fairly heavy feeders. So if you can, if you remember, feed them monthly in spring and summer when it's growing with a 20-20-20 fertilizer. That 20-20-20 just simply refers to the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium levels in the fertilizer. Those are like the three main macronutrients that every plant needs. And so that's just letting you know how much of the active ingredients, the percentage of them is in the fertilizer. 20% is nitrogen, 20% of the active ingredients is phosphorus, etc. And getting enough light and a fertilizer will really help this plant flower once it is mature. So it needs to be over four years old to be able to flower. So if you are growing this thing from a seed, it is going to take a long time for it to get there. But if you've gotten it from a nursery or something, it might not be too long until you can see it flower. And I should mention, it's difficult to get them to flower inside due to their needs of high humidity and high light. So if you're really gunning for that, make sure it gets that humidity and light that it needs. Being over-fertilized can cause brown leaves or leaf tips and edges, so be on the lookout for that. If you notice it happening after you fertilize, this is a sign of fertilizer burn, and you can remedy this if you notice it by taking your plant and letting like running water go through it and drain out of your drainage holes, and that kind of just like leaches out all the extra nutrients that are causing the leaf burn. So what type of soil does a bird of paradise prefer? They prefer a well-draining soil. So if you get a succulent or a cactus mix, that would be ideal for this plant. You may be wondering if this plant can be propagated or made into many more plants. And it can, which is happy news. I always love a plant that can be propagated, right? Easily, I guess. So there's seed propagation. It's not very desirable due to the juvenility you know, people want mature plants and it takes a while for it to get there and the genetic variation. So you may plant it and it may not turn up exactly as you would like it to look. It has a lot of genetic variation when being grown from seed. So not a lot of people do it, including commercial growers. The most common way propagation is done is dividing the rhizome. This is best done in spring when the plant is actively growing. However, division is limited. You only want to do it about once a year, maybe twice, but no more than that. It can kind of stress out the plant. In the professional world, they will actually propagate by dividing the plant and cutting out the dominant bud. This gets rid of the apical dominance. Apical dominance is basically where there's like one stem that's like in charge and it grows the most. It is the tallest. It's kind of how a tree has one branch, you know, that 
that rises up and is taller than everything else. It's like the top of the tree. That's the apically dominant stem, right? Or branch. And so professionals, they'll cut that out. And what this does is it forces all the other buds along the plant to start growing on that rhizome. So after about two to six months, these propagators, they'll have about two to 30 lateral shoots just coming up from each branch slash rhizome and they start dividing them up from there. So they'll, let's say it made 30 shoots and they'll cut it up into 30 pieces. They have 30 plants. They then start to take care of from there. If you want to go full smackdown professional, you can divide the plant, cut out that dominant bud, and it will force new growth to happen, and you can then divide it from there. So next question is, does this plant need pruning? It basically just needs you to trim out the dead material every now and then when it appears, remove it back to the base of the stem just above the ground, and if it is a pretty big bird of paradise that you have, it's a good idea to thin it out once in a while so that air and light can get in, like can move through it, and it can move around, and that way diseases won't be as possible. Bacteria and fungi have a really hard time existing when there is good airflow through a plant. On the same topic, it does need cleaning, so wipe the leaves pretty regularly to keep off the dust. That way, the leaves can absorb all the light and photosynthesize the way they need to. All right, next question is, when do you need to repot it? Repot when roots are either coming through the pot or they're visible at the top of the potting mix. These plants actually do best when they are slightly pot bound. They don't mind being in a small pot and kind of crowded, but it will usually be about mm, every two years that they need to be repotted and only go to a pot that's two to four inches, one to two, somewhere in the one to four inch range of a bigger pot from your current one that you have. All right, so we only have two questions left. And first one, what kind of pest does the bird of paradise deal with? So they're prone to scale, which are those little um, bugs that have a hard shell and they kind of stick to a plant. They almost don't even look like a bug because they hardly move. They just stick there and eat the sap and exist and you can wipe them off and use like a hydrogen peroxide. There's mealybug there. They kind of look like white little fuzzy bugs that crawl around and they especially like the buds or the flowers. Those can be removed with neem oil and spider mites are actually found on bird of paradise pretty commonly. Those ones require a rotation of different pesticides. They don't organic or not, you need to be rotating them because spider mites reproduce so rapidly that they can create a resilience to the pesticide that you are using. If you have taken your bird of paradise outside, just remember that it can be a great home to other insects and you need to be on the lookout for those when you bring them back into your home. I remember the one that my grandma had in her yard always had so many spiders in them just because they were very thick bushes and the spiders love to get in there create webs and catch all sorts of yummy bugs for themselves. So just be aware of that if you take them outside in the summers. Last question is, are they toxic? Answer is yes. If a child ingests one, it will probably result in gastrointestinal effects or nausea. The leaves are mildly toxic while the flowers are more toxic. So definitely stray away from eating the flowers. I don't even know why I said that. I don't know why you would want to 
eat the flowers. But if you do eat any part of this plant, it will cause mouth and stomach irritation. So this will also happen for pets. So don't give it, don't let your dog, cat, parrot, mouse eat this plant. Don't you eat it either, okay? All right, so that is all that I have for today. That is how to care for a bird of paradise. Honestly, after going over this, I kind of want one. They are beautiful plants with such an interesting history, and I hope this episode really helps you know how to care for them, how to help them thrive. Maybe it made you want one too, like it did for me, but thank you guys so much for listening and being here today. We'll see you next week. Thank you for being here and listening today, and I hope you'll join me next week. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it going, you can find the support link below in the description and donate. Or, I have some awesome Plant School merch, including stickers, shirts, and mugs, and the link to my shop is in the description as well. And if you don't want to spend any money but still support the podcast, share this podcast with a friend, either verbally or electronically. This will even qualify you for my giveaway. Just message me on Instagram at tinnyplant that you shared the podcast with a friend, and you'll be entered in for a chance to win some goodies. Winners will be announced on the podcast. Again, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week.